it will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream into it. This day, this word is fulfilled in this house. I have told you whenever God speaks through man, if you say amen, what that means is that it shall be so for you. If you miss that amen, you have not accepted and received anything. I say in this day, this word is fulfilled in this place. What an amen means is that it will happen to me. That is what amen means. It didn't mean it would happen to us. Alright? When Bartimaeus cried among many people and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy did not come to other people. It came only to the one who cried. When the woman with the issue of blood said in her heart, if I can throw the hem of his garment, many people were pressing on Jesus Christ. But when she touched, it was a different touch. Alright? Many people's body, the whole body was touching Jesus. Nothing happened. Really, um, Jairus might have been holding him by hand at the time because he was going to his house. So, but the one who touched with his heart is the one that received the power. And we learned yesterday that any prayer you pray that is not from your heart, consider it a waste of time. This is how the devil wasted the lives of many people who go to church. Alright? Because they think that they are coming to God because they want to receive something from God. And when God begins to visit and pass around people, he connects heart with heart. He doesn't connect himself with anybody who doesn't have heart with him. And you remember yesterday I told you, therefore, when you come to church, everything from beginning to the end, do it with what? Your heart. I think that is a memory verse, isn't it? Colossians 2, what? Uh, 3, what? 23, what does it say? Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto God. Not unto men. All right now. You know, God told me to tell you this. Anybody who comes to him for miracle never find him. For that is for those who have not known him. Those who have not known the Lord, when they come for miracle, they will find God's mercy and they will get healed. But when you are a child of God, you must come for, to him, not because you need a miracle, but because you want to worship God. Are you with me now? Don't come to God because He wants to bless you. No, come to God because it is your own duty to worship He that lives forever and ever. Just to say thank you for what He has done. If you have such heart towards God, you will have less issues remaining in your life. Because each time you come to God with such heart, God will attend to the matters of your life too. Because you have performed your duty, God has to perform His duty. Does that mean that when we are sick, we don't expect healing? We do. But when we come to his presence, the difference between those who come in because they want to get something from God and those who come to worship him is this. When people come to God and they begin to worship, those who come to God for miracle, all prayer, they don't get involved. All worship, they don't get involved. They are looking for miracle. That's why they never find it. But people who come because they want to worship God, when they pray, they pray. Because they expect God from beginning of the service to the end of the service. So everything they do in the meeting as unto God, they do it sacrificially with all their heart. 
they are the one who find God and meet Him along the way. I would get that. How can you go to a doctor, a hospital, and then, you know, <clears throat> especially when you go to uh, uh, emergency ward in hospital in England, it has become a norm that you will be there for at least three hours or four hours because the same thing that everybody here from the hospital in England is that we don't have enough doctors. Am I saying the truth? I hope somebody is hearing me that will do something about the medicals in England. Uh, but when you get there and you say, they say they don't have doctor, and you wait first hour, second hour, and it's a sickness that could kill you, and you say that because doctor didn't come at the third hour, I'm going home. And the moment you go, 15 minutes after, the doctor showed up, and he called for your name, and he didn't find you. Certainly, I'm sure that that person will be brought by by ambulance, totally dead. Because that infirmity will have killed him before emergency can reach his house. So therefore, you wait for as long as doctor will call you, isn't it? At the beginning of your waiting, you are not, you are very, you are very, you know, you think that they will just call you because they brought you on the, on the, uh, what do you call the ambulance. So you thought that anything, everybody they bring by ambulance is priority, isn't it? But when you get there, while you are sitting down, they will bring in other people that when you see their cases, you will say, thank you, Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and if you don't have such a grievous case, you know, the fact is that after you have waited for one hour, you are expecting, after two hours, hope deferred, make the heart weary. Then what happens to many people is that they sleep. And when you sleep, the problem will have, at least, whether he's sleeping too, or your problem has abated. And then after two hours, making four hours, they call your name. And at that time, you go to the doctor. I'm sure that you will be telling the doctor that I've been waiting here for so long. So if you won't say that, how will you say that before God? <laughs> Hallelujah. Though God does not treat you like that, because why they were calling, he says he will answer. The moment you speak, God is there. Amen. It's not like our emergency in England. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <clears throat> so tonight, I want to share with you about marriage. I promised you yesterday. Amen. So for the next 15 minutes, we talk about marriage. Then we go and bullets. I want us to pray. Serious. Now, if you look at last week, we looked at the, what I call the preamble, the epilogue. Isn't it? And then, that is to show those who have not married the kind of characters you look for in a woman before you agree to marry her. And the type of character you see in a man before you decide that I can marry this one. Any Christian youth that lack those things may fall into a snare that we'll never be able to return from. But then to those of you who have married, I told you, no problem. When you listen to those things, it just helps you to understand. Now that you are married, alright, the things that you need to correct so that the second side of you will be balanced. Amen? So that you focus, if you are a man, on the things that God revealed about man, so that you correct those things in your life. And you don't, you don't look at your life, you don't look at the things God is speaking about your spouse. Because God does not accept a man to judge a man. God accepts a man to judge himself. I would together now. 
And at the end of it, we recognize that those who have married can make their marriage better because some of, some of you found out some things that were read in the Bible. You are a victim of it, but you are an unconscious victim. I will together now so that we can correct it. But then if you, are a situ- you have a situation that was read that you discover that it is beyond your power to deliver yourself, then you have been demonized. Then you have to pray and also be alert. Watch out. For when that character will strike you, you counter it by the word of God. That is what brings deliverance. Not by somebody breaking anything over you. It is by you determining in your heart that you will be restored. Now, today I want to talk to you now about, having looked at that, just a brief survey about the origin of marriage. From understanding the origin of something, you can understand what the subsequent will be. Because the origin is the datum point. That is the reference point which you command every other, other um, activity of such institution. Now, the book of Genesis, chapter, chapter 1, verse 20, 26 to 28, we'll be looking at that now. In chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, underline that, in our likeness, underline that, and let them rule, underline that as well, over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over life, the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, let me give you an understanding. I call that God's ultimate intention or plan. This scripture helps me to understand that at the beginning of creation, after God created everything, God now revealed in this verse the reason why he created all things from chapter 1, from verse 1 to verse 25. Before God spoke about bringing man to be, he had made provision for everything man would need at the time, man will ever need until the end of day. Can I say something to you? God can be seen as a man in this context. Okay, of course. A father, which he is. The role of a father is to make provision for the wife and the children before he goes into marriage. I will together now. That provision may not be material provision, but potential to produce. So it is not ideal for a young boy to impregnate a girl when you are still fed by your parents. It is not ideal for a young boy not to have a career in life and decide to go into wedding. It is a fundamental recipe for potential failure. Before the life begins. Because when you look at the role of man, eventually, you will recognize that this is the responsibility of man. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So what, what did Jesus do for the church? He provided everything for the church and gave everything for the church. And I told you during the week when we are looking at this that you can begin to see the characteristics of who a husband could be. And those of you who are ladies who have not married yet, congratulations. Because now you can begin to understand who you can say yes to or you cannot say. Let me say this. You don't marry by dreams. Dreams can come from God. It can come from the devil. Don't marry by vision. Vision can come from God. It can come from the devil. 
Don't marry by instinct or emotion. Those things can come from God and from the devil. How do you know that your vision is right from God, your emotion is right from God? How you know is that whoever that emotion goes to will fulfill the mandate as written in the scripture. Okay? So, here, let me stop you here. We go further, we're coming back to that. God had an ultimate plan. His plan was to make man in his image. And then for him to be like God. He looks like God. He has potentials of God. Then he now said, let him rule. The purpose of man is to rule. In another word, to be in control. And God now began to speak about the jurisdiction of man. Over fishes. So man has control over the waters. If you have control over the dweller of the water. Alright? It is the fishes that control the waters. Then, over the, the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. So God gave man control over the whole air. Alright? Because he gives you control over the one that rules the air. Then he says, over livestock, the ground, and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This is the scripture that helps man to know. You have power over both visible and invisible creatures. Whether they are angels, whether they are demons, whether they are warlocks, whether they are witches or wizards or righteous, anything that moves upon the face of this earth or in this realm or in the heavens above, God gave man control, authority to rule over them, to command and dictate what they will be. And this leaves me a real problem with Christians who believe that some people can through the air destroy them, some spirits of the air, some spirits of the water, some spirits of the cloud. Those things are jargon. Do those spirits uh, exist? Yes, they do exist. But it doesn't matter. Here God gave you authority over everything. He gave you authority over everything. Now verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. And it says, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So we understand that verse, that God created, the man he was speaking to in verse 26, he's talking to plural man, male and female. There is no middle man. God did not create neither male nor female. At the beginning, God created a man and a woman. Say, to, say after me, in the beginning. And up to today, God creates man, woman, boys, girls, no middleman. If anybody thinks either or neither is demonized. So I call that verse God's intention fulfilled. God's intention fulfilled. The first one is God's ultimate plan. Now this is God's, God's ultimate plan or intention. This is God's intention fulfilled. Now verse 28. <clears throat> it says God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the seas and the birds of the air. Over everything, every living creature that moves on the ground. So I call this God's ultimate blessing. Is based on unity. You know, let me help you understand. The first time God said God created man in his own image in his likeness, 
And he said, let them rule, which is a proposition. Alright? The second one says, so God created them. Now, God is going away from singular to plural. Then it says in verse 28, God blessed them, not him or her. God blessed them. You remember <clears throat> how good and lovely it is for brothers to dwell together in unity, for they are the Lord commands his blessing. Isn't it? So a marriage that husband and wife are disunited cannot operate the blessings of God. Write that down. Because God blessed them. A marriage where the husband is doing his thing and the wife is doing her thing, they never go forward in life. But when the husband and the wife do things together in harmony, nobody has a hidden agenda. Such marriage, God blesses those intentions. Someone said to me that this is very tough. Yes. Look, leave room for your partner to disagree with your opinion. Alright? But if it's something good for the family, you can still execute it. Because eventually, whoever disagrees will catch up. Because sometimes, a part of the family, husband and wife, may be sentimental when it comes to decision making. And one of them could be futuristic and have particular interests of the family. And that decision to be implemented is timely. If it's not implemented at a time, there will be a regret. In such decision, you can always implement and the other one will catch up with it. But it has to be you are sincere in your judgment and in your intentions. Because God does not bless our feeling, He bless our heart. I would together now. So God bless them. Now Genesis chapter 2 from verse 18. That is the story between verse 27 of chapter 1 and 28. Because in verse 27 of chapter 1 it says, God created man in his own image, male and female. So, then chapter 2 now begins to tell us how God created the female from the male. Now, in verse 18 it says, the Lord God said of chapter 2, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Alright? Verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the ribs of the man and closed up the place with flesh. Verse 22, Then the Lord God made the woman from the rib of the man, he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Verse 23 says, 23, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24 says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and they will become one flesh. And then... Let me explain just um, a bit about this one. From verse 18. I'll just go ahead and let you know what are the 
key notes to bring out from these scriptures. The first thing is this. In verse 18 he says, The Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper that is suitable. Now from there, I have five things that I noticed. One, marriage is God's own idea. It was God who found out that the man should not be alone. I want you to look at me as, as you write, but what I mean is that pay attention to me. Because it's very brief I'm standing with you today. Marriage is God's own idea. But what happens to a young man or a young woman when you grow to the age of that? God put it in your heart. He has put it in your heart before he sent you to the world. That's the reason why human will begin to think in that, that realm when you go to the matured age. But then, God, marriage is God's own idea. Then the second thing is that, number two, wife is a suitable helper. To the man. Number three lesson. Marriage is a responsibility. It's a responsibility from God. Number four. God gave man this responsibility. That is the husband. Number five, man, husband, cannot succeed in marriage without God's help. Man can only succeed in marriage with God's help. Okay, these are the five things I found out in this very verse. If you look at the fourth verse, it says it's not good for man to be alone. So it was man, it was God. Who discovered that man was alone? Alright? And it was God who defined the helpmate as suitable helper. So a man, a young man can see many women. But not every woman is suitable to help you. If you look at the statement of this within the first one I told you. That is marriage is God's intention, is God's idea. Wife is a suitable helper. You will discover that. The issue of personalities coming, but we're not looking at that tonight. I always describe that through Venn diagram. Alright, mathematics circle diagram, Venn diagram. There are people in church who can be compatible to be, to be in one group. Like choir, you can be compatible, you do things together. Like ushers, you do things together. You are a good team people to function in church, but you may not be good to live in the same roof, under the same roof. So because you did things together in church doesn't mean that that is compatible for you. No. In marriage, because marriage is a different ball game. You know, in church, you do things um, you know, according to the rules of engagement. But when you get to your home, it's a different thing. In your home, you have a right. Alright? In the church, 
you do have a right, but it's a delegated right and also restricted. I will say a right, but a qualified right. That's why we call it in law. That is a right that is subject to some conditions. But in your home, it is your home. You have a, a vision the way you want, to, want your home to be. You have a vision the way you want your life to be. And those, those decisions that you take in your home as a husband or a wife together, they are, you know, they are decisions that um, they are unlimited. They are unqualified decisions. And that is where there is conflict. Where the man thinks this way. And the other, the woman thinks this is the way. So there'll be a conflict. Therefore, while you can be good partners to work in a team in the church, and you always get results, if your personalities are contrary and you get married, when you have conflicting ideas, there will be a serious calamity because you are not compatible in the way of reasoning. You are not complementary. Therefore, a woman who is a suitable helper, I will say very briefly, if a woman is, an, is a very enterprising woman, and you marry a man who is laid back in life, you will have serious conflict because that woman will be looking for things to help but the man has no ability to produce anything. So, what happens in such marriages is that the woman will now begin to create life for the family. And the woman becomes, the man becomes contentious at the time. That, but I'm the head of this home. But the fact is that you marry a person who is very enterprising, full thinker, and you are not. So, each time the woman wants to move, it will seem as if she is trying to usurp my authority. With many men. But understand a man who felt such. But in the real practical life. He's not just a thinker. So there will be conflict. And it is not going to be easily resolved. So a woman therefore. Must look for somebody of her standard. Or somebody who thinks more. Who she can always help. Somebody who can create a vision. Within your own vision. Your vision will be complementary to the vision of the person. The kind of life, the kind of family, the kind of house, future you want will be complementary. Now, the third one is marriage is a responsibility. Every man needs to know this. If you, have, if you are a man, you are feeding yourself. If you have left your parents, you are the one who pay your rent, you eat your money, you buy whatever you like, you buy the clothes you like, you wear the shoes you like, it doesn't matter. But when you get involved with marriage, somebody else will have to tell you the shirts you should wear and the suits he, she doesn't like. Really, she may tell you the color that she doesn't like. And that may be your best color of your choice. I would get her now. Because she's your helper. This is somebody outside you, like your mirror, who can see you more than you see yourself. I would get her. So therefore, understand this, that a man must know this, because God has sent you as the head of your family. Somebody, when you decide to marry a woman, you have taken over a person who has a dream in life, who has a vision in life, who has an intention in life, who has painted her future. 
And that person will now entrust all that future, all that life into the hands of a man. Understand me? That's the reason why women must not manage to marry a man. Don't do it. If anybody serves the Lord. You see, the age you marry is irrelevant in life. It's like the age you go to school is irrelevant. It's what you come out with. If you, if you haven't married and you are getting older, you are more secured. What that means is that you have a better knowledge to make the best choice. I would get now. You don't rush into it. Mistakes that some have made in their early age, you can't make it. Because you are matured when you are married. A good number of people went to marry when they are not even mature. They don't know what marriage really is. And when they get there, they begin to see, you know, fire. And they will have to manage it. Alright? The older you are, the more matured you understand about future. So, because a man must recognize that another person's destiny will be surrendered to your hand. It is a responsibility. You cannot dash that dream. You cannot disappoint that woman. Because she will put all her life in your hand. So you have to catch up with that woman. I, I mean, you know men may make mistakes in marriage to marry somebody. Maybe they can manage it better. But it's a disaster for a woman to make a mistake. More disastrous, I mean. More disastrous. We'll talk about many things about that in the future. But then that responsibility of the marriage is given to the man. Because God brought the woman to the man. Yes? So an irresponsible man should not seek to be married. When I first went to my father that I want to marry my wife. After my father had known that she's my fiancée. You know what my father said to me? Go and bring your bank accounts. He said to me, you are living in my house and you want to marry. Where are you going to put the woman? <laughs> he said to me, he said, where are, you, where are you going to put the woman? I'm the one paying rent here. He said to me that, look, let me say this, my son. I know that's the person you want to marry. But when a young man meets a woman, his head should be correct. So that the man should not begin to prove himself to be a man. By making sure you are solid you are qualified, you are in gainful employment, you rent a house, and he said to me, you rent a flat. So that you have, whether it's two rooms or three rooms, whatever, doesn't matter. But you, the place you will sleep with your wife, the room where you can sleep, uh, your, your children can sleep, and then a sitting room area. Not just one room somewhere, managing. You can do that. For you to tell me that you are right for marriage, I want to see your proof of responsibility. Says so go. So I had to go back. That was the time I knew that it's not how you do you for body. <laughs> Wives don't eat stones. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can't take stone to Sainsbury's and come out with, with food. I went together. It's a responsibility that young men must be told from their young age. So that they face their studies or face their career and manifest and be responsible. Have a habitation where you can command respect as a man. Alright? Have enough money where you can feed your wife and family. Marriage is not just kissing a woman, going to bed with a woman. 
the, the, the cloud of that will soon fade away and the reality of life will soon confront you. And if you are not prepared and not responsible man, you know, you cannot go into marriage. And the last one I told you there is that man can only succeed in marriage with God's help. If a man does not simulate Jesus, he will always fail in his marriage. Okay? We will talk about that much later. Now let me just give you the other clues here and we will stop for tonight. I've just spoken for 25 minutes now. Now, Genesis chapter 2 verse 21. It says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the ribs, the man's ribs, and closed it up. Wife is a missing rib of a man. There's a lot about that. We'll deal with that later on. If you look at your ribs, that is the cage where your heart is your lungs, your kidney, the, the very great important part of your human body is within your rib. Most delicate part, apart from your brain, is within your rib. So man, wife is a missing rib. If you carry a woman that is not your best fitting, alright, what happens is that when you put when you take that rib and you place it on your, on your side, it will not fit. So you have to hold it all your life. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Whereas other people have fixed their ribs and their hands are free. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Verse 22 of Genesis 2. He says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib of the man. And I said, wife is a missing rib. But well, yeah, verse 21. That's wife is a missing rib. Then 22 says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He, he, he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. God is the matchmaker. Let God choose for you. Both for man and for woman. You know, if you pray seriously and be patient, you won't miss what I'm telling you. You will miss what I'm telling you. You know, when I look at those of you who are members of my church, you know, I'm very, very much jealous of my members. I, I'm, I don't pastor this church. I father this church. Alright? That's the reason why every marriage that happens in this church, apostle is there. When I come to your weddings in this church, I'm the general of Asia, I'm bishop and pope. <laughs> I carry my pope to your marriage. <laughs> and sit down there as a father. And if you watch me, I always sit there until your wedding is over because as you are dancing, running about, jumping, enjoying yourself, I am watching to make sure that there is no danger approaching you. Check me in every marriage. My eyes is fixed on you. And I watch both physically and spiritually. If anybody came to your marriage, who is diabolical? You will be shocked what I will do in such marriage. I will not take permission from anybody before I, I strike. Because my duty there is to see that you really enjoy your life without anybody adding sorrow to it. I would get that. So because of that, I don't want you to make a wrong choice. 
I'm very, very much jealous about that. Let God choose for you. Then, verse 24. For this reason, the man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become they, they, and they will become one flesh. What I wrote under that is marriage is pleasurable. It's the greatest pleasure a man can have. Then the last verse is verse, <laughs> the last verse is Matthew 19, 6. It says, so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. This is Jesus speaking about the marriage of Genesis. And the final in that statement is marriage is for life. I know someone may say that, but you know, there are divorces in the church of God now. Let me tell you, God hates divorce. Full stop. You know, the church is not set up to please somebody's choice. If you divorce, you made a mistake. I would get that because God hates Divorce. But do Christians divorce? Yes. But if God hates divorce and Christians do divorce, it means that it is not God's perfect will for them. There are a good number of things that Christians decide and they do that is outside God's will. And whenever you do that, you suffer. Are we together now? So if any one of you, if two people are believers and they are married together, and, you know, you are having problem. Because both of you are, you confess the name of the Lord. The only thing you need to do is to slay yourself by the word of God. Each one of you should go back to the scriptures and submit to one another. But if you are, you are married to an unbeliever and the other believer is not giving you a headache, worship God in the life of that person. What about if that person is, you know, uh, very, very troublesome and stuff? You chose it. The Bible says to the woman, through your chastity, you will win that person. But you have to suffer a while. And this is the reason why, from all what I've read to you, a believer who has not married must marry with eyes wide open. You can make a mistake in career in life and change to another career. You can't change husband like that. All right? Neither can you change wives like that. Anytime there is a divorce, both parties, they are set back several years backward. Anytime there is a divorce. Believe what I tell you. We will look into that in more details. Maybe tomorrow. But I want to stop here tonight in keeping with the promise. But tomorrow we will go into we are going to look at Benefits of marriage, beginning from unity in marriage, 
We look at benefits in marriage, and we look at all various benefits, and then we also treat marriage cautions. You know, the caution you need to have, which we'll talk about. <laughs> I think I can, I can do this now. I will add this to it. When I talk about the cautions you have to have in marriage, I will talk about marriage fiduciary duty. You know marriage is a contract. Yes? Somebody said, we ask you, will you make this person your, your uh, wedded wife? And will you keep exclusively to her? You know? And you say, will you love her, cherish her, and, and uh, take care of her? You say, yes, I do, before many weaknesses. Then we turn to the woman. Will you make this person your husband? And will you keep exclusively to him? Will you love him and cherish him and submit to him? You say, yes, I do. You know, when you say those things, let me help you understand this. For those of you who are into law, you can understand me better. Now, those words you have spoken are contracts. That is exchanging of contracts. Every contract is attached with it obligations. I would together now. Now in law, they call what you said, which is written, express terms. That doesn't cause problem, you know. Express terms is not supposed to cause problem because it's written, you know what it is. Yes? Though in some marriages, if you don't follow what I've taught, your express terms will still be a problem. That is, you will still breach those conditions you promised. And many people always come and say that, ah, because she did this, yeah, because she did that, yeah, because she did that, have all manners of reasons. But those ones can easily be tackled because there are things written. But the part that is the most dangerous in marriage is the part that has to do with fiduciary position, that is taking the husband and the wife as fiduciaries because the responsibility or the terms that is attached to that is implied. It's implied. It's not written. That is, because you promise your wife, I will love you with all my life, I will, I will care for you, in her heart, there are other things that she expects from that promise, which is not written. Am I, are you getting what I'm saying? Okay. Nobody wrote in a married contract, I will buy shoes for you, or I will buy you clothes, but that is implied. Nobody wrote in marriage uh, contract that I will give you a flower every birthday and buy you, you know, perfumes, you know, you know, at random just to make you happy. I will take you for a holiday. We haven't gone on a cruise before. I will take you on a cruise. You know, we are English. We don't know how Dubai looks like. I will take you to Dubai. And, you know, I will take you for, to, the, to the Sahara to go and do some, some camel riding. I will take you to Mickey Mouse. Those things are implied. <laughs> are we together now? Those things are implied. Okay? Or when your wife wants to do a wedding or your husband wants to uh, uh, do a birthday, or your husband wants to do a birthday, you know, there are some things that your husband expects you to do. As a wife, there are some things that the wife expects the husband to do. Also, I think I can bring this under this. I will cover that tomorrow, God's willing. When we look at communication, 
and the implication of the confession of love, I love you. Okay, when you say to a woman, I love you, or when you say to a man, I love you, there are implied terms behind that love. That love is more than what you said to that person. Because to that person, she, she has several things in her thoughts that should be the demonstration of that love. Okay? Which are implied. The same thing with the man. The man has several things in his brain which he believes that is, you know, the manifestation of the love. So when the wife doesn't do those things, alright, it causes problem because that is where the, the matter of um, bridge comes in and every bridge goes to claims and damages. We're going to stop there tonight. <laughs> Amen. Shall we stand up together and pray for marriages? We're going to pray for everybody who have married that the Lord will take control of every marriage and the marriages that are in control of God, God will give us obedient hearts so that we will run our marriages according to the scripture. God will help us in our infirmity. Lift up your voice and begin to pray for marriages. Sovereign Lord, we pray thee. Our God and our King, we pray for every marriage. Bless every marriage, O God. Pray and tell God, bless every marriage, O God. Our God and our King, we pray for mercy in every marriage. Favor in every marriage. If you pray for someone else's marriage, you are praying for your own to come. Because prayer is a seed. What you sow is what you reap. Father, we pray that the hand of God will come upon every marriage. Let us pray against the foxes in every marriage that destroy the marriages. They could be human influence, external influence, demonic influence, or, or third party influence. Father, destroy all negative influences. Foxes in marriage. Every fault that is attacking our marriage to make our marriage a sham. Father, we come against in the name of Jesus. Our marriages will succeed. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit will teach every husband and wife. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 9 says, Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. This is your only portion in all these your meaningless days. In all these your meaningless days that God has given you another son. Pray that the Lord God Almighty will give wisdom to husband and wives. God will control our emotion to one another. God will take anger away from Christian marriages. God will take nagging away from Christian marriages. God will bring more understanding, unity and bonding. Every wall of partition that has been in marriages, that God will destroy them completely. God will bring forgiveness to marriages. God will bring deeper understanding in these three days. We have a long journey this year. We want everyone to be fulfilled and be successful. Every dichotomy in marriage, that the Lord will destroy it, the roots. And God will grant favor. Marriages that are looking up to God for the fruit of the womb, within today and tomorrow, that they will be open. God did some yesterday. He will do some tonight. And He will complete it tomorrow. 
Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Let's pray for resources for marriages. There are marriages suffering resources that God will bless those marriages. Financially, open doors for marriages. Bless the business of marriages. And God will bring faithfulness and loyalty into marriages. Oh Lord my God. Our God and our King. Let us pray for those who are yet to be married. That the Lord will direct them to the persons that He has created for them. All our ladies and our men. That God will give them the best fitting for them. That the Lord will bless their marriages. Satan will not be able to set them up. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit will lead them and guide them. Any relationship that is not from God, that the Lord will destroy it. Relationship that will make them happy, that will better their Christian lives. Relationship that will be a blessing to them, that their life will be a great example. Relationship that will fulfill their life ambition and dreams. Help us to our men, men of vision to our women, transparent Truthful, loving and caring, that none of them will make a mistake. But now that they are waiting, God will build them up and empower them with resources necessary. The expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we are prayed. One more prayer you are going to pray tonight because we have prayed a lot at the beginning of this meeting. Is this. Every sickness that hinders marriage life. Cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, fibrosis of any kind. Wherever they may be. In the bodies of our men, low sperm counts or erectile problems. Any sickness that can hinder marriage, God destroy them. Now, lift up your voice and pray. He is the Lord that healeth you. Our God and our King will destroy the roots of sicknesses, infirmity, body odor, infirmity in the gum. Infirmity in the anus. Infirmity in the womb and obiduct and ovary. Carabosa. We cause them to dry up. And be pulled out. We declare them non-effective. Infirmity of weariness of soul. Laziness is an infirmity. We rebuke it. In the name of Jesus. Confusion of mind is an infirmity in Deuteronomy 28. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Disagreement all the time is an infirmity. Marriages should agree. Depression we rebuke in the name of Jesus. Let understanding come. Pride is a sickness of the devil. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Deception is a sickness from hell. We rebuke it among us in the name of Jesus. 
Oh Lord my God. Thank you Father. In Jesus anointed name we are pray with us given. Father we bless you for tonight. What a glorious God you are. Wonderful Savior. We worship you. In Jesus anointed name we are prayed. Somebody say amen. Look at somebody beside you. Say your dry bones shall live again. I didn't hear that. Say that your dry bones shall live again. This is the voice of heaven. I say your lost hope is restored back. Before the end of seven days, there will be sound of rejoicing in this house. People whose hope have been lost shall be restored, says the Lord. Opportunities that have been taken away shall come back again. People who have been searching and seeking and find nothing, they shall begin to discover. People who have been frustrated by people, those who frustrated will come back and say, share up to you. A special favor from heaven rests upon you. Mercy will identify you. Grace shall define you. So shall it be in the name of Jesus Christ. You will soon say among many, it is good to serve the Lord. And mortal men will soon say to you, your God is God. The expectation of the righteous cannot be cut off. And so all your expectation, I say amen to them. The Lord will send his holy angels. They will carry you in their hands. They will bring you to the place that God has prepared for you. Yours will be a delightful nation. You will not work for another man to inherit. For all your days and years of labor, I command February as a day of rest for you. I say that the month of February shall be the month of harvest for you. People will remember you for good. They will look for you to bless you. They will not rest until they have blessed you. So shall it be. You will never have no finance this year. For every good thing that you stretch your hand for, there shall be no no for answer. When you stretch your hand, there shall be way for you. Double doors before you shall swing open. Mountains before you shall be leveled. Gates of bruise shall be cut through. Paths of iron shall be shattered. The treasures of darkness will come into this house. The richest of the secret places is yours in the name of the Lord. So shall it be and so it is. In Jesus' holy name we are declared. Amen and amen. Bring out your calendar and your, your request. Just wave it before the Lord. I'm going to thank God for the answered prayer. Your calendar, your, your, your uh, request for the year. Begin to thank God who had done it for you. He's done it again. The Lord has done it again. Yea, O oh God, as we have asked you, you have done. In these that we hold in our hand, you will bless us. We shall be the one, O oh God, that will finance all this project. We shall have abundance. According to the magnitude of this vision, you will bless me. Yes, Lord. The vision of Christ's faith tabernacle is bigger than my vision. So, according to the allocation that you have made for CFT Global, I have my part. I receive my part. I will fulfill my function. Begin to make those declarations to the Lord. I will be the key to fulfill these visions I hold in my hand. Heaven has spoken. And it shall be so for me. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' anointed name we pray. Amen. Let's take a seat, please. Before I will leave the podium, Pastor uh, Roger, get ready to take the offering. Please be seated. 
I would like to welcome anyone working with us for the first time, and then Pastor Roger will take the offering. Now, if you are coming to this house for the first time, you are the angel of the day. Can you raise your hand where you are, anyone? Did you invite a friend? Please stand up.